Heavenly Father, thank you for the fun we can have playing such a silly game as indoor soccer and handball. And we pray, Lord, that as we turn our attention to your word, that you would teach us and guide us, that we would be willing to be taught by you and led by your Holy Spirit to learn what it is you're communicating through this passage. Thank you for what your word does to reveal to us absolute truth, things we cannot learn from this world or looking inside of the box that you created. Thank you that you gave us something that we can look at to understand better how you designed us to operate the righteous way that you want us to live and the benefit that it produces in us when we live that way. Thank you for loving us and providing for us a Messiah who took the penalty for our sins. May through him we have a better understanding of you and then understand your policies and what you want from us so that we can be victorious over Satan and company and then learn who our Lord and Savior is even more as we progress spiritually in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Last week we spent time introducing to you the concepts of the mind. I actually had introduced them before. But we went through them a little more in-depth in last week. We'll review them quickly this evening, but we, we want to set up that you've got two options right now. So we've been in this verse, we've talked about this verse, we've talked about this idea that you only have two options. You can either be in this moment be being conformed to this world, or in this moment of time be being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those are our two options. There's no middle ground. You're either in fellowship with God or out of fellowship with God. You're either in the light or in the darkness. The light is either on or it's off. God is righteous. In him there is no unrighteousness. If we are going to be in a right relationship with a righteous being, we must first be righteous in our state and then in our walk. Our state is through Jesus Christ. When we depend upon Jesus to be our Savior, God places us in him, it creates us as a new creature. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are created as a new creature in Christ to do good works that God prepared beforehand for us to do. So we're a new creature. The old has passed away. And we are a spiritual being. Now we can operate spiritually. So we can operate in fellowship with God spiritually or out of fellowship with God, which the Bible calls carnal. So we have two options, be conformed to this world or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means that right now, in this moment, you're either being conformed or transformed. And just because someone has the Bible open in their lap or just because there's a sermon or a lesson from God's word being spoken doesn't mean that you're going to be transformed. The difference comes down to whether or not you're in a right relationship with God. I cannot stress this enough. This is the only thing as Christians we really need to worry about. We really need to focus on. We can definitely go out and do lots of good in this world. But that's not the point. The point is to walk in the same manner that Jesus walked. Not to do similar things that Jesus did. And that's what we're commanded to do in Scripture. To deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Christ. Walk in the same manner worthy of the calling with which we were called. And that is to be righteous children of God. Now he does all the work to make us righteous in our state and then righteous in our walk. And we looked at the word conformed, Susco Matiza say, and we identified that the world conforms us from the outside in. It puts external pressure on us to mold us into the shape that people see on the outside. But if we're really children of God because we've depended upon Christ to be our Savior, then the outside appearance that this world's trying to make us match and fit isn't a real representation of who we actually are. And this is one of the things that in high school and junior high is a big deal identity. I don't mean peer pressures, that kind of stuff. That is a big deal. That's part of it. And while you guys are being pressured and tempted in the same exact areas that every single other person that's gone through high school has, 
I believe personally that you guys see it at a much greater scale and depth. The reason I say that is because when I was in high school, we didn't have a pocket device that we could pull out that had connection to the internet, that had connection to our friends through Facebook or social media or Snapchat or whatever, that didn't have connection to everything we could ever focus on in this world. If we were going to do things that we know are wrong, we would have to purposely go out and find something to do it. But now in your, your pocket, you carry around a phone of some sort or a mobile device of some sort, and you can do everything you want from that device. You can buy things. You can talk bad about people. You can stalk people. You can look at things on the Internet you shouldn't look at that aren't designed for your eyes. You can do everything from that one device. Isn't that kind of amazing? So while I believe that just as Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I are and have been, I do believe that you guys going through high school with the same pressures your parents faced feel a greater depth of that pressure. And I fully believe that. It's too widespread. When your parents were going through high school, they had the same pressures. But you know what? They had society around them telling them, no, this isn't right. This isn't wrong. You shouldn't do this. You have society around you now, a different state, telling you, no, that's fine. It's okay if you do those things. The world is trying to mold you to what it wants you to be like. Now, I use the word world there loosely because really it's not the world who is in charge of this world right now. Satan and company and associates. Lucifer, who rebelled from God, the third of the angels who went with him, and then all those humans who readily agree with what he's trying to do in this world. Those are the associates. They are working in this world to set up a specific system. It's called Satan's kingdom. It's trying to overthrow God's kingdom. It is a spiritual battle. That's why we cannot fight against flesh and blood. When we look at the, the, the question of whether or not in this moment we're being conformed or whether we're being transformed, it makes a huge difference. And the depth of that difference that we see is based upon how much of God's word we understand. The more we understand God's word, the more we understand that there's a massive difference between what this world is saying and what the Holy Spirit will teach us in God's word. God does not think like this world thinks. This world does not do the will of God. James chapter 4 says that if anyone wants to be a friend of the world, he makes himself an enemy to God. Because the world does not do God's will. 1 John 2, 16 and 17, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. And all that is in the world is not from God, but is from the world. The one who does God's will will live forever, but the world with its lusts is passing away. Kind of puts some things in perspective a little bit. We have a choice right now to be conformed or be transformed. This world wants you to match what it, it wants you to think and say and do. America is going through an identity crisis of its own right now because of this. We'll leave it at that for now so we don't get too far behind. So, we're looking at the renovation of the process of the mind. Here's your mind, left and right frontal lobe. We're talking about your forehead in essence. Underneath the skin, and the skull cap. Left right, and right frontal lobe. In the left side, you have your noose, the mind. It's your active thought process. Through this, you perceive what your senses are relaying to you. 
You recognize information, that's perception. Then you comprehend that information. When you have three or more data points about the same thing, that's when your brain says, okay, I have an idea now, I can comprehend this idea. It needs three or more data points. If you have two, you're getting there, you're close, but three really secures it. Your brain likes this three idea. It likes to have three connections to the same idea. So comprehension, the ability to understand information, when you have three things connected together, you're gonna get that comprehension a little easier. From that, we have evaluation. Once you understand the information that your senses are relaying to your brain, once you understand it, now you have to evaluate it, give it value. That's what evaluate means, to give something value. We value things based upon different reasons. In one moment, one thing will be valuable, the next moment it won't be valuable. Just depends on which valuer or assessor we're letting lead us at the time. Your lust pattern, when you're carnal, your lust pattern is the predominant source of value. That's your flesh, that's your sin nature. Your emotions will want to play a part of that. Your mentality will play a part of that. Your desire will play a part of that. But your lust pattern is the one that is over authority over all the other filtration systems by default when you're not operating spiritually. Once you give value to something, you have to determine what you're going to do with it. If you think that thing, so whatever you're figuring out or thinking has value, then you say, okay, I like this. I'm going to use this later. I'm going to depend upon it in some way. If you say it doesn't have value, then you depend upon it as worthless information. You say this is no value to me. Your brain stores it just in case you ever need it or want it later. So what happens when you like something or give value to something and make a determination to depend upon it is now you transfer it from your left frontal lobe to your right. As it transfers from your left frontal lobe to your right, it goes into what the Bible calls the heart, the cardia, or in the Hebrew, the lab. The heart is the storage place for all of your beliefs, everything you depend upon. And the belief is just that. It is a dependency you place upon something to do something for you. That's why you give something value. Every choice you make is a result of a belief that you have. That belief comes from this perception, comprehension, evaluation, and then determination idea. So in the heart, you have a conscience. The conscience is the witness of what you do. It compares what you're doing to your list of what's right or wrong. Now, it's your list of what's right or wrong that it works with. It doesn't work with God's. If your morals match God's ethics, his standards of righteousness, then your conscience is working right with a righteous list. Everyone's morals are different. God's ethics, what he says is right or wrong, never changes. It's based on his character and who he is. Our job as children of God is to match our Father's ethics. Whatever God says is right, we say is right. That's our job. If we're going to be obedient children, we trust him. He says, this is right. We say, okay, I agree. And we believe it and depend upon it to be right in our life. Your conscience sees what you do. It compares it to your list of what's right or wrong and says, oh, that was good. No problem there. Oh, that was bad. We got a problem. Then it sends a bunch of signals to your body and creates different feelings and emotions and hormones out of that. So that's your conscience. <clears throat> your norms and standards are your morals and protocols. Morals is a list of things that you think are right and wrong in this world. The protocols are the the processes that you will put into effect when you're faced with a specific situation. So you wake up in the middle of the night, smoke alarm's going off, you wake up, there's a fire in your bedroom, no one else is home, what do you do? Go back to sleep, right? Face to face with the Father. No. You go out of the building, okay? Why? 
Now, if you wake up in the middle of the night and your house is on fire, do you have to go to Google and say, okay, Google, tell me what to do. My house is on fire. What to do in case of fire? No. You already know. You've already been told, if there's fire, get away from it, in essence. Unless you're part of our fire science class, and then you're like, ooh, fire. Where's my marshmallows? <laughs> Hot dogs, yeah, buddy. Okay, so morals and protocols. A protocol... <laughs> A protocol is what you depend upon to get you through a situation. Your morals and protocols are part of what we call the norms and standards. These are stored in your heart. I don't know why this microphone's giving so much trouble tonight. No, it's messing with me. All right. So you got your conscience, which observes your actions and says they're right or wrong. That's programmed by your morals. Now, your morals are programmed by the left frontal lobe, your mind, your thought process. In your thought process, you determine what you're going to say is right or wrong. And so when you're in that position where you're looking at a choice and you say, well, I want to do what's right. And it's, it's not right to lie. But if I'm protecting my sister, well, that's right. So if I lie to protect my sister, well, then that's right. That's the evaluation. You make a determination. That's wrong. Okay? Depends on the situation, I suppose. How far you want to take that. Now, your norms and standards are programmable also. Everything on the right side, the heart, is programmable. Your viewpoint is programmable. It's your frame of reference. It's how you see the world. We had the glass, uh, the glass question last week. Put water in the glass, is it half empty or half full? Correct answer? It's all the way full. It's part water, part air. Okay? At least. It's all the way full. So your viewpoint totally changes how you see the world. Mentality is how you, is the mental attitude that you have. If your mentality is angry or frustrated or upset, then you'll act accordingly. And everything that you perceive will be based upon that filter and that lens of anger, frustration, or being bothered and upset. Now we've dealt with that. That was last week. Let's take a look at the sources of information that we have. Because we already identified that you're either being conformed to this world or transformed by the renovation of your thought process, your mind. That's the noose, the left side. So the left side is what needs to be renovated. Now, why doesn't God say renovating, renovation of your heart, the renewal of your heart? Because he needs to change the way you think, not what you believe. If you change the way you think, what's going to change on this side? What you believe. He wants to change the way you perceive, comprehend, evaluate, and determine everything you're going to depend upon in your life. He wants you to think the way he thinks. And as a result, you'll believe and depend upon the things that you need to to do righteous things. So it's not changing your heart. You change your heart by changing your thought process. That's why he focuses on the thought process. So two sources of information in this world. You've got the world system being conformed to the world. The world system places emphasis on what's physical. That You could put tangible or material in there too if you wanted to. What you can actually see and interact with in this world. The physical things in this world. It establishes value. When this, this is the evaluation process now. It establishes value based upon personal desire. In that verse I quoted 1 John 2, 16. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and boastful pride of life. Three categories of things in this world. Lust of the flesh, which is satisfaction of the senses. 
produces an inward feeling that's satisfied. Lust of the eyes is the pursuit of material objects. What you can see, you go after. You desire those things you can see, and you want to consume those things you can see. Or the boastful pride of life. This is ego, where you have an inflated or deflated. You can have a bad negative view of yourself, too. We have a deflated ego or an inflated ego, and the idea here is that you focus on yourself. And so each of those three areas puts value in something different. Feeling for the lust of the flesh, physical things and material objects for lust of the eyes, and then ego or self for lust or boastful pride of life. One of those in you is predominant. It will be the one you see more often than the other two. Doesn't mean you won't see the other two, just means more often. We've gone through that study. Some of you guys have understood that you know what your lust pattern is. If you know what your lust pattern is, then you know what you will desire in this world. You know what you will place value on this world because you're conforming to this world according to your lust pattern. Remember I said that's your dominant filtration system? That's your dominant evaluator? When you're operating outside of fellowship with God, that's what's leading you, your lust pattern. What leads your lust pattern? The world. Who leads the world? Satan and company. So here you think you're just out there doing stuff, having a good time, but the reality is, you're doing exactly what Satan and company want you to do, which is anything that's not the will of God. Pretty simple. It establishes value based on personal desire. So the world system places emphasis on what's physical, establishes value on personal desire. Now, the other source of information that we have is revelation from God, specifically his word for us in this time period. God in the Old Testament spoke through different instruments and mediums, things like a burning bush to Moses, Things like a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. But he used men to write down his message to us and put it in the Bible. And we've got this Bible. That's how he now talks to us. In fact, in his word, it says that prophecies will cease. It identifies that they'll cease when the, the perfect comes, which is the completion of God's word. That happened with the book of Revelation. It's done. It's over. We have God's word put together. That's revelation from God for us is the word. Now, this source of information places emphasis on what's spiritual, what is actually out there in the spiritual world that we can't see or feel or use or perceive from our senses, but need to be told about from some source. Now, we do develop this thing called discernment as a result of spiritual understanding. But that's different than our senses feeding us data. That discernment takes place in the evaluation process where we get this data from our, our senses and our brain is pulling information to us saying, hey, you've seen stuff like this before. This is probably this. And you go, yeah, I think I'm going to stay away from that. I don't know what's going on, but I just kind of know not to go there. And something happens, you go, wow, that was great. You know, <laughs> wasn't a part of that today. The revelation from God establishes value based on righteousness. So when we go back to our evaluation system, the, this, this part right here, the evaluation the ability to evaluate information. This is what has changed for the most part. Sure, the way you perceive and recognize information will change because of your mentality on the other end of the heart. Your ability to understand information is dependent directly on how much information you've stored in your brain. Think about Google for a second. We talked about Google a lot already tonight. We'll bring Google back up. If Google doesn't have a large storage of different websites and doesn't have cataloged on those websites through meta tagging and whatnot, what is actually there, and you go Google something, it's not going to pop up. They have to have storage information that says, hey, look, this word puppy came up. And we've got all these things that have puppy tagged with them. Let's put those in our search results. If they don't have anything behind that 
in their storage, they're not going to put anything up, or maybe one picture of a puppy. The more we understand and have information in this world of, and specifically or what we want to focus on, God's word of, the more of God's word we know, the better our ability to comprehend. And when we get to this evaluation place, we'll stop evaluating things based upon our lust pattern, our personal desire, what the world system says and feeds us. But instead, we'll evaluate them based on righteousness. We'll get to that place right before we make a determination and say, is this right? Is this, is this righteous? Is this the right thing in this moment to do according to God and not myself? And you see how that changes our thought process, right? Situation comes up in your life, you've got two choices. Determine for yourself what you're due, or let God determine it for you and go along with it. Those are our options. If we base our decision and our valuation process on our desire, we're wrong. We have to base it on whether or not it's righteous according to God. And so when we go through that evaluation process, we look at it and we have to identify it as established as righteous by God. That's where the, the thought process changes for us. There are two spirits working in the world, verses 1 through 6 of 1 John chapter 4 identify those to us. Actually, we can see them here, starting in verse 2 or so. It says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. And the verse of the passage goes on and explains a couple of things like the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When we look at those, that passage and put it together, and I went through it quickly for time's sake, we identify there's two spirits at work in this world. The spirit of God, and the spirit of God is the Holy Spirit working with believers who are obedient to God, who are in harmony and fellowship with God. When, when we are letting the Holy Spirit lead us, the spirit of God is working. The spirit of God is producing in this world God's will. It is also the spirit of truth. And this is absolute truth, capital T, rest of the letters capital. If God says something, it's absolutely true. You can go to the bank and cash that check. Now you have the other spirit working in the world, the spirit of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to be a person specifically in the end times, after the rapture of the church. But there's also, the Bible says, many Antichrists that have already come. There's a specific one prophesied will come, and the whole point of the spirit of the Antichrist is to bring this world system into a place where they are ready to accept that one person is going to be their savior. And we've already had a savior, that's why it's Antichrist, the word anti in the Greek, or anti in the Greek, means against and replacing. So it's one who fights against someone in order to replace them. And it's against Christ, so the Antichrist is trying to Replace Christ as the Christ. Replace Jesus of Nazareth as the Christ. So this is the effect produced by Satan and company doing Satan's will through the world system and those who agree with it. Now I've already told you there's two places for us in this, in, of operation at least. Carnal operation out of fellowship with God. Spiritual operation in fellowship with God. Those two. One will be conformity to this world when we're out of fellowship one will be the spirit of error working its way through us. The spirit of the Antichrist will actually be party to. That's carnal operation, conformity to the world. But when we confess our sins, the Bible says that we were placed in fellowship with God, and now the spirit of God, the whole, was working again. 
through us. The Holy Spirit leading our human spirit to do God's work. So we have two sources of information that we can get information from in this world. We have the world system, which is the spirit of error, because it's trying to bring about the spirit of the Antichrist. And we have God's word, which is the spirit of truth, which is what is able to affect that evaluation process to the point that we're able to recognize what's righteous versus what we like is, or versus what we want. That's the goal. The renovation of our thought process. If we renovate in every decision that we make, if everything is checked against what God says is righteous, then every belief or dependency that we transfer over is going to be based upon God's righteousness and his standard. And we're going to depend upon God and what he says instead of on us and what we say. And when we do that, it produces righteous behavior because we're depending upon what God says is righteous not just what we like or want or what we think is right. There is a master list of right and wrong, and we are not the keeper of it. But so often, don't we see ourselves that way? The point that we don't even question this process in our own thinking. That's all we've got time for tonight. Next week, we'll look at this again, the knowledge and faith equals belief, our data evaluation principle, and tie it all back in together you have the choice to be conformed to this world in every given moment or to stop in any given moment and be transformed by the renovation of your thought process. Bouncing things off the righteous standard of God and accepting that over anything else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us, for the provision of all things pertaining to life and godliness that you've given us. Even your word, written down and recorded by over 40 different authors or writers over thousands of years, but yet from Genesis to Revelation harmonizes in all ways. May we be diligent to understand it, recognizing that the more we understand of your word, the better we'll be able to comprehend and evaluate your standard of righteousness in our actual life living out here on earth. Thank you for all you've done for us. May we be grateful for it, allow you to be our God who leads us and determines for us what we are to do. In Jesus' name, amen.